Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. That's the strangest treatment I ever tried. True I'm confessions. Gonna to, I'm going to have to... To us, as a family who relied on the NHS and who were very... As I said, we had a Western diet. It was all strange. So, <laughs> you know, changing the diet, taking supplements, take, doing saunas, taking herbs. What a load of what a load of nonsense! Rubbish. You know? Yes. <laughs> it was huge. My parents really had to take a huge leap of faith because it was completely alien to them. You know, they they tell their friends, they tell the family. Oh, you know, Rebecca's taking some herbs, and you can imagine the the looks that they got. Um, you know, she's seriously chronically sick, and you think some herbs are going to get her better? But so to us, it was all very strange. This podcast is sponsored by the Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lime Ninja Symptom Tracker. One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans, and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker. You'll be glad you did. Every journey through Lyme disease is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work. You need ninja skills. Hello, I am your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 150. So if you haven't listened to them all, (laughs) get busy. (laughs) You have a way to go, my friend. (laughs) Just kidding. This week's episode is with Lyme expert, Rebecca Cotterall, and I'm excited she's from the UK. And I always try to bring in our international friends to help spread the word about Lyme disease in Australia, Canada, the UK. Yes. Exactly. And Ireland. And Ireland. Of course, we can't forget Ireland. We can't forget Ireland. Sorry, Ireland. (laughs) Also, welcome with us. You've heard her already. Our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, everybody. And we are actually sneaking an hour away from the middle of my grandmother's memorial service weekend. It's Saturday morning. And some of you listeners who've been around for quite a while remember about a year ago, my mother-in-law passed away and we are using, uh, honoring an African tradition Mm -hmm. of celebrating the year anniversary of the death. And my mother and father-in-law spent many, 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 many years in Africa as missionaries in South Africa, Zululand and Mozambique primarily, right? Any other countries? I think that was it. uh, I know that grandpa traveled through most of sub-Saharan Africa. That's about all I know. That is true. 
So we have quite an international audience. Um, well, audience attendees, I should say. We have family from Japan, friends from South Africa, friends from South Africa, family from North Dakota. Yep, that's like a different country. Basically, it is. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of different countries, actually,、oh. this is a horrible transition. But do you have ninja nuggets ready for this Friday? I do. Okay, I do. And what's your favorite one? Well, one, my favorite one right now is the new global, the new Lyme test that's come out by Global Lyme Diagnostics. Okay. And I, it will just be interesting to see to see how it works.、Um, there's a new. It's it's based on detecting a new protein on the Borrelia burgdorferi, among other things. So. Cool. We, will, we, we will need see new tests. Yeah, yeah we、know. certainly do. Well, hopefully, I mean, anything will be better, but hopefully, this will work.、Better. It'll be a lot better, right? Yeah. If you want to know more about that particular nugget and the other four ninja nuggets for the week, head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and sign up for Ninja Nuggets. Yes. Become a friend of Lime Ninja Radio. <laughs> All right, or tell us a little bit more about this week's guest, Rebecca Cutterall. Rebecca is a fully qualified nutritional therapist tra- practicing in the northwest of England, based in Corley in Lancashire. After suffering with chronic fatigue and Lyme disease for 12 years, she found nutrition to be hugely beneficial on her journey of recovery. Rebecca's passion is helping others on their own journey to better health because she has learned you don't have to live with those aches and pains every day. Changing your diet and lifestyle even slightly can result in great improvements to your health. Yes, indeed. Thanks, Aurora. And here's our interview with Rebecca Cotterall. Hello, Rebecca. This is McKay Rippy from Lime Ninja Radio. Hi, hi. I'm so excited to talk with you. We've had a few guests in the past from the UK, and I'm looking to expand awareness in the UK and also expand my audience there. So I'm always very excited to talk to somebody on the other side of the Atlantic. I think you're still a little bit behind on the awareness part. I think in the public. Yeah, I think we definitely are. You're definitely ahead of the game. Well, it's by no help of the CDC and the official channels here. Ours is all underground and over the backyard fence. Absolutely, it's down to the work. You know, this kind of thing that you're doing now, and、um, that's really how it's come to the forefront, isn't it? It really is. So Facebook、yeah. has been huge here in this country,、yeah. uh, in, yeah. in just connecting people. It's made it so so easy for people、yeah. to reach out, and there are dozens and dozens of these little Lyme groups scattered throughout the Facebook universe. <laughs>、yeah. And it's such it's such it's so lovely because it's that community where everyone's helping each other, like telling them about this research or this feature or this works. You know,、um, I think it's really great. Now, tell me, what's your interest in Lyme disease? My interest. Do you mean where my interest comes from? Yes. Yeah. Well, my interest comes from a twelve-year battle personally. I think it's so often the way, isn't it,、um, that something happens to you or a close member of your family, and that's where the interest springs from. So, yeah, I, I、um, got poorly when I was thirteen. 
and then it was a battle all the way through my teenage years into my early 20s um obviously misdiagnosed as often happens isn't it um but actually got myself better so i would say i'm about 90% better now and living um, a pretty normal life to be honest well, that's, so that's where the interest springs from so we have a story of hope and healing today that's wonderful yes. Definitely. That is my mission to really spread the hope to people who struggle with Lyme that you can get better. Now, is your profession, your, it says on your, your heading here, nutritional therapy, or what exactly do you do? Okay, so it's a type of functional medicine. I know you've um, you've interviewed Oliver from Elcom. Absolutely. Um, in, in, it was a, a good few podcasts ago. And we do very similar things. So really, my job is looking for the root cause of the problem. Uh, so, for example, you've got a diagnosis of Lyme disease maybe, but why? You know, why is your immune system so low that it's causing these adverse effects and really, really horrible symptoms? So, you know, it can be a multitude of things. I mean, to be really honest with you, most of my clients come to me with a chronic fatigue um, diagnosis. And then which really annoys me a lot of the time because over in the UK, they're very quick to diagnose chronic fatigue. But really, what does that mean? Well, you know, you know, obviously you have severe fatigue, but my job is finding what is the root cause of the problem? Have you got some adrenal fatigue, some mitochondria dysfunction? A lot of gut issues are often going on there. Viruses as well. Obviously, if there is, there's um, with Lyme, there can be the Borrelia infection and co-infections. And then what I do is go in, completely revamp the diet, because I really think that we have to start with diet. It has to be one of the foundations. Um, and I can go into that a little bit more if you want to. And then I use nutritional supplements. I use a little bit of herbs as well. And I talk about lifestyle as well, a lot as well. Um, you know, how much stress is someone carrying? Um, maybe their job is too stressful. What's their home life like? What are their relationships like? And it's really about looking at the entire person, the whole person in a really holistic way um, and fixing lots and lots of different things on lots of different levels really so kind of I, I i like to think of myself as a bit of a detective really finding out what the root cause of the problem is and then fixing it when we work on that we see huge benefits and we can all get on with our lives really wonderful and did lime bring you to nutritional therapy and what you're doing or was that an interest before no, it, it definitely wasn't an interest before. <laughs> uh, prior, prior to Lyme, I actually wanted to work in fashion. I actually, actually, I actually, I kind of saw myself in New York City and Paris and all this kind of stuff. And Milan, the thing really. Yeah, yeah, I could have been in New York with you, um, <laughs> but you know, uh, Lyme had different ideas and. It was only when I was 18, my parents sent me to a nutritional therapist and they sent me for some um, psychology work as well. And things were starting to move forward for the first time ever, you know, first time in five years, things were moving forward. And I thought, this nutritional therapy, you know, this is really powerful. Um, so then I went ahead and studied it for three years. And I thought, I've got to tell people about this. I've got to help people. I've got to, as you say, you know, I've got to bring that hope to people that you can get better. Now, I'm curious because at this 
day and age, nutritional therapy can mean so many different things. So you talk yeah. to one person and it's raw vegan. You talk yeah. to another person and it's Western Price and drinking raw milk. Yeah. You talk to another person and it's our genetics and it's paleo and you should never have a bean and never have any grains. Yeah. And so tell me, I'm not, I'm not going to challenge you particularly. I may ask a few questions, but, <laughs> but where, where do you come in and what's your thought behind what people should be eating and particularly people with Lyme? Yeah, definitely. So I come from a whole food kind of perspective. And, and what I mean by whole food is food from nature. So I say to my clients, hold it in your hand. And if you can explain to me where you, you know, what's in that, then you can eat that. That's fine. You know, a carrot, what's in it? Well, it's a carrot, you know, meat, you know, it's meat, but if it's packaged, we're not going to have that, you know, um, lime lowers the immune system. So we have to make sure that the immune system is as strong as possible. And that's why packaged foods and all that kind of stuff is just absolutely awful for the body. So especially with Lyme, I come from a whole food perspective. So that is gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free, um, lots and lots of vegetables, you know, eating the rainbow, lots of colors. Um, I do, I do, um, encourage people to have a little bit of meat, um, some good quality fish. Although that's debatable these days, though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, and that's really where I come from, to be honest. But it can be really, really confusing for people because they're hearing one thing, then they're hearing the next thing. And I think my advice to people is it's incredibly personalized. You know, nutrition is very personalized. Someone possibly with Lyme would benefit from a diet which is very different to somebody with I don't know, cardiovascular problems and it has to be very patient specific. So I think, and I think that's where the problem comes in is that the media try and fit this kind of one diet fits all. And it just doesn't work like that. And I went, I went vegetarian earlier this year for a few months. I just didn't really run well on it, to be honest. It just didn't, I don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't really working for me. I think it's very personalized, but yeah, whole food for sure. That's wonderful. <laughs> I can get behind that a hundred percent. It's, it is so interesting because it is individualized and you go through the nutritional books, whether it's, and, and they're mostly kind of in the weight loss section in the, in the bookstore, yeah, but, yeah. but you know, there's also, you know, there are other diets out there as well and they all have the same format. They all have this personalized stories where somebody's life was absolutely transformed. And I believe them. I don't think people are making this up out of whole cloth. And then they have testimonials that say the same thing. And it doesn't matter if it's the raw meat diet, right? Or the raw carrot diet. The, the, yeah. the format of the books are exactly the same. And it's exactly because why you say it's because some people, that's what their bodies needed. And maybe at that time, but yeah. again, to, to say that therefore everybody needs to eat this way is, is ridiculous. It reminds me every time I, I kind of get out in this, I always am reminded of the, the nursery rhyme. Jack Spratt could eat no fat. His wife could eat no lean. And, oh, yeah. You know, and maybe that wasn't just a uh, nurse. Maybe it was a little bit of nutritional advice built in there. Yeah. 
I mean, just a perfect example is a vegan diet. Someone who's struggling with a candida infection, it wouldn't be great to have a vegan diet. It's very heavy on the carbs with the beans and the lentils, etc. You know, that's just going to wreak havoc, really. So it has to be really tailored to the person and the person's goals, really, as well. Right. And, and you bring up another brilliant point is that, and then it's layered. So not only is the person's genetic and the state of their digestion and Mm -hmm. then whatever else they're carrying around or damage that's been done. Same thing for somebody who's borderline diabetic. Mm -hmm. You you know, they can't be a fruititarian probably. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I think when people are researching what kind of I don't like. I don't even like the word diet. But you know what? I mean. what <laughs> yes. Kind of what you're going like? to eat? What am I supposed to eat yeah. today? Right. Yeah. What am I going to eat? And um, they have to be aware of what book are they reading? Who is this book being written to target? And is that even me? But really, I just think. I, I mean, I say this to clients all the time. Just be normal. You know, just be normal. Just eat what we are meant to eat. Um, you know, if it's comes from a packet you know human we know that we shouldn't really be eating that kind of stuff um so i just i just say to clients um 80 20 you know um 80 being good you can be naughty 20 percent of the time not that I <laughs> that, to be honest that much um and just try and eat from nature you know it does take some getting used to especially when people have come from really really um strong western diets which i did i i i was brought up on a completely western diet so it was a huge change but oh my goodness it's just so worth the payoff you know to be well and then what do you tell your clients when they say oh i just can't give up fill in the blank how am i going to live without and they fill in their comfort food whatever that might be yeah, it's interesting that then you, you then said comfort food because that's exactly right, isn't it? You know, if someone says, oh, I really cannot give up alcohol. So you just need to really, you know, talk to the client about why they feel this connection with alcohol. Is it something, is that how they, you know, get rid of their stress? Is that their coping mechanism? And I think it's about peeling off those layers as to what's really going on. Um, similarly, so for me, I really struggled to kick chocolate because when I was bubbly, <laughs> yeah, it's so difficult. Um, when I was poorly, um, people would always bring me chocolate, you know, and it was, okay, Rebecca's not well, let's go and take some chocolate. And it was, it was connected to being ill. So that was my comfort. So I really had to really dig a few layers down and really figure out why, when I don't feel well, do I always go back to the chocolate? And that was exactly why. Do you still crave chocolate? Do you want me to be honest? I really do. I really do. I always try and go with the dark chocolate, 80% dark chocolate, but then you just end up craving that. It's difficult, isn't it? Yeah, but no, I'll be honest. Yeah, I'm just normal like everybody else. So it's interesting to me, food cravings. Mm. My background is an acupuncturist, and and the flavors are associated with different energies and uh, Mm. different imbalances in the body as well. So there's this idea that a craving can be a healthy thing, but then – the cravings can be corrupted as well. So a chocolate, you know, a craving for chocolate that is satisfied with a little bit of chocolate might be your body saying, okay, please, you know, feed me this nutrient, something in the chocolate, or it could be something psychological or, or driven by the candida or some other bacteria saying, you know, please feed me some sugar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's so often the case because again, with Lyme, I really, I, um, I see a lot that candida is so often, part of the picture 
So it's often sugar that clients struggle with the most because Borrelia loves sugar. It loves to be fed on sugar. So that, that often does come into the picture, to be honest, with Lyme. And if you are really struggling with cravings, then that might be a, a reason as to why, really. Now, you mentioned that changing your diet really turned things around for you. Mm-hmm. And what, what, how, what did you change first when you were, you said what, about 18? Yeah, so I was 18. So I think there's two types of people, there's two types of client, and I and I ask them this question, are you a let's do everything all at once or <laughs> are you a like let's do this one step at a time? Mm-hmm. Uh, typical line, typical chronic fatigue, I'm a perfectionist, um, I push myself, I'm driven, so we just went but we just went fully, fully for it. So I was gluten-free, sugar-free, dairy-free. Um, my parents were cooking, you know, really good quality organic meats, really good quality organic vegetables, um, some nuts and seeds. I was drinking three liters of water. Um, and we just radically, completely changed um, the way that we cooked and what we were eating. Well, so I'd love to say the one thing that I changed, but it was kind of everything overnight, really. The one thing I hear again and again, and no matter where they are on their Lyme journey, sometimes it's the beginning and begins to shift things dramatically for them, or even later on where they're mostly better, is giving up the sugar. Yeah. Say that consistently over and over again. You know, I really, they'll say something like, I finally got serious about sugar. Yeah. And then, then blah, blah, blah. You know, things get so much better. Yeah, exactly. Now, here's another question I have for you. I have my, and it's kind of like, I'll, I'll show you yours if you show me mine. I have this kind of list of basic supplements that I like to give my patients. And my thinking is that the, the modern lifestyle in general is lacking in these nutrients. And whether it's how the things are farmed or just our food choices or our lifestyle, so what yeah. what are the what are the basics that you find yourself recommending your clients take again and again and again? Yeah, so I always ask for a vitamin D check. Always ask for that. I mean, a lot of people are wise to it and they are supplemented with vitamin D, but I just like to make sure that those levels are good. So I always come back to vitamin D. Quite often, always, again, coming back to magnesium. You know, the soil, especially in the UK, is incredibly depleted. Same here. Yeah, it's it's not good at all, really. And I say that to clients, again, a lot of the time is even if we had an angelic diet, the life <laughs> that we're living, right. now we have to take these supplements sometimes because the pollution in the air, et cetera, et cetera. We are, you know, we're sitting on laptops, we're exposing ourselves to EMFs. So supplements, I think, a lot of the time are part of the picture. So, yeah, definitely vitamin D, magnesium. I do like to use a lot of chlorella, to be honest. Um, I do find that really good for detoxification because I think that's super important as well. Um, What other supplements? And iodine as well. You know, our thyroid, a lot of people's thyroid is really struggling, um, probably similarly in the U.S. as to the U.K., Mm -hmm. Um, whether it's high or low or whatever it is. Um, probiotics, super important that we're doing the probiotics. Again, you know, most people have some level of dysbiosis, the, the imbalance of the good and the bad bacteria. So I think that's super important with clients that we um, do probiotics, vitamin C, 
you know, it's the standard stuff really. And then obviously because most of my clientele are chronic fatigue, Lyme disease, we go in quite quickly with the herbs, which can be, um, well, it's obviously a huge piece of the jigsaw puzzle, but that can happen with most clients as well. Now, when clients are coming to see you, uh, have they already gone through antibiotics? So are you using herbs to rebuild them or kill off the Borrelia and other uh, associated infections or, or, or both? I don't want to pigeonhole you in one or the other. So actually, when most people come to me, they have come with a chronic fatigue diagnosis. Then we do the Borrelia testing. It comes back positive a lot of the time. The symptoms are showing me it's possible Lyme infection. So I'm the first person that they've ever spoken to about Lyme. No kidding. They've never, you know, come across antibiotics or it's never been part of the picture. Um, In the UK, you know, Lyme is really we're just not talking about it at all in the medical community. So they've all got all these different diagnoses. And then when they come to me, I just think, you know, we've got to get this person checked for Borrelia. So that's really the first part of call. And then, yeah, as you say, I do go in with the herbs. Um, Very few clients then turn away and go for the antibiotic route because I think most people are educated these days and they know that it doesn't always work, rarely works. Interesting. And just uh, to, b- to back up a little bit, so m- my list of supplements, uh, pretty much yours. Uh, the, I find the same thing here in the States. Uh, I don't use chlorella uh, consistently. And the one thing that I had been in the past and kind of dropped out that I think I might be bringing back again is zinc. Yes, I toy, I toy back and forth with zinc, to be honest. And now here, and here's why. I just, are you familiar with Stephanie Seneff? Have you run across her name? I'll, I'll send you some, some links for some of the papers she's written. She's actually, she's not in the nutrition world and she's taken it by storm in, in, in my point of uh, view. Uh, She's a computer scientist at MIT. And her husband got ill and she got very interested in biochemistry and has done some amazing work. And her current focus is on glyphosate and what it does. And one of the things she's, she was talking to, we were talking yesterday, talking about the kidneys and zinc and glyphosate interfering with some pathways there of activating vitamin D. So, so this is what happens with, so zinc is used by this one, oh, good grief. I'm never going to remember. It's, 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 it's name is like MT. So it's like a glutathione type uh, molecule that the body makes, except in certain areas, it's even more effective than glutathione. So the, the initials are MT. It's metalla protein, something or whatever. And, it needs a ton of zinc to activate. So without enough zinc, this it just kind of lies dormant. But with enough zinc, it can activate. And it seems to cancel out a lot of the effects of glyphosate that have just, you know, it's just in the air now. It's just, you know, they found rocket fuel and breast milk everywhere all over the world, right? So it's just now this stuff is all over the place. Yeah. So we can measure our clients' vitamin D levels, but it's the hydroxy-25. It's the storage. It's not the active form. So they're lev- we're just assuming that if they've got enough stored, that then it's being converted. But if the glyphosate's blocking its conversion to the active form in the kidneys, then we're sunk a little bit. So I'm starting to rethink my zinc 
and, and then we just know it's useful in the immune system and so forth and so on. So that's the only other one that I've, that I've added in. Well, that I'm thinking about adding back in into that list because essentially I find the same thing as the magnesium as the vitamin D because we're not in the sun. And when we are, we're covered with head to toe and, yeah. uh, and the magnesium too, because that's just such a, it's just missing, missing in the diet. Yeah, it's so interesting that you um, definitely send me, you know, her her research. That I'd I'd love to have a look at that. Um, the human body just fascinates me. It's just absolutely fascinating. I think the more we know, the more we realise we don't know. Um, and I don't think we can ever claim to know all of it. To be honest, oh. um, really interesting. Yeah, because I I've um, seen some research that. Um, vitamin D is actually blocking no Borrelia is blocking the vitamin D receptors send send me that one (laughs) send me that one sure I'll send you that yeah so that's really interesting to look at a client's vitamin D levels and really try and figure out if it's a good idea to even supplement with vitamin D or maybe it's not so not so much of a good idea if they've got a high Borrelia reading so it's really interesting yeah and the other one sorry that I forgot is um B12 and folate, you know, a lot of the time people are coming in with MTHFR genetic mutation. And so we've got to be careful of that as well. Um, so that's another one. So I just missed that one off there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, are you willing to comment a little bit about, so what do you see for the path forward for Lyme awareness in the UK? What what needs to happen from your point? Because you're you're seeing you get all these clients coming to you, and they all have the same diagnosis as the rubber stamp of chronic fatigue, which just means they've been sick for a while with something, right? And been been worn down. So what what needs to happen so that the awareness starts to build? That people start thinking, gee, it, it could be Lyme disease. That's such an interesting question, actually. Often people ask me, do you think you'll see Lyme being treated on the NHS with herbs? Huh. And I, I, exactly, that exact, that's my exactly, that's exactly my reaction is probably not, not in my lifetime anyway, which is a great shame. But it's a good question as to what I think needs to be changed. I think we're, we're getting more success stories. There's been a few f- famous people recently which have pushed it forward in the media. Um, but I think it's people like myself working in the private sector who are getting the results and then they're telling their friends and things are just kind of happening like that. You know, I'm really going to go go away and ponder that. What needs to change? It has to be lots of factors, really. You know, politics have to change. The government have to change the way they look at it. Finances have to change within the NHS, which they're not going to. Um, it's a really tricky one because it would just cost them too much money. And that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day, which is such a shame. Well, right. It's always going to be cost. It's always going to be cost driven. There's, you know, it's funny because going to, I came upon acupuncture just because it, it fastened. My father was a patient. He had some material lying around the house. I was in college. I was in university and I was reading it. And I was, I didn't like Chinese food. <laughs> I was not alternative minded. None of this kind of thing. Right. And I started reading about it and something just resonated. It's like this, 
yeah. way of looking at the world is interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to go study with these people. I didn't yeah. even have a vision of myself helping people at the time. My wife says somewhere in acupuncture school, I found my heart. It's like the, the cowardly lion or something like that. I just didn't really even, I was a young man, you know, that I, I yeah. wasn't interested in people. <laughs> they just get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> They're so messy. <laughs> they are very messy. <laughs> so, so anyway, so and two things. I learned to be a pretty good acupuncturist, and especially in the years ensuing after all that my patients have taught me. But they didn't teach me how to be a businessman, and they didn't teach me how to change the world either. So you mm-hmm. get into a situation now, and they just don't have the tool set. And I, I've spoken with many people and asked this question of, of many people in different situations. And some people have some insights into what it takes. And particularly some of them are actually engaged. The ones who are engaged seem to have some hope. They see things moving forward, which is, which is encouraging. And for me, just kind of being interested in how science evolves over time and things like that. It's, it's really a, a, a function of time and in yeah. t- until the systems change and system change when the people in the system change, unfortunately that yeah. means retiring or dying off. Yeah. And it's just, it's just going to take time. And in the meantime, the, it, it, I believe it's up to people like you, like me, like everybody on Facebook, just sharing and asking the question, could this be Lyme disease? Oh, that's interesting. My cousin, my aunt, my friend had Lyme disease. And did you sound a lot like that person? Could, could it be Lyme? And just asking that simple question. Uh, and, and the more we ask it, the better off we'll be because we do. I mean, and the testing, the testing is about to get better. It's so close. They're starting to do some clinical trials just a couple hours from here on just a breakthrough. I believe it's RNA. They're testing RNA. And uh, so real soon we'll actually have good tests that, that catch things more time than not. And that's just going to blow the roof off of that. We're going to find so many people infected. Definitely. Yeah, I, t- I completely agree. Um, and I think but I think there's also a I think there's a, an element of maybe kind of not wanting to get tested because, you know, <laughs> oh, well, you sound like my cousin who had it. You sound like my neighbor who's got Lyme. Maybe you should get tested. And then there's that fear factor, I think, of, oh, I don't know if I want to get tested because I don't know if I actually want to know if I've got something, you know, as serious as Lyme disease. And I think often when the test comes back positive, it's quite bittersweet. You know, it can be oh, wow, you know, this is quite a big hurdle to jump now, but also I finally know what's wrong with me. Right. Because people are going to this doctor and this doctor and this doctor and this doctor, and they're not moving forwards, and then finally, and that was what happened with me, the wrong diagnosis, and then as soon as we finally, I finally got all the courage to do the Lyme test and it came back positive, you know, finally we know what's wrong and we can get the right treatment, and that's where really it started to move forwards. So I think... Yeah, we need to be, um, we can't be scared of it either. Many of the people I speak with are fall into the relief category because they have seen so many physicians and so many diagnoses that, you know, in retrospect are wrong, right? But the diagnoses are made and then they're useless. You, You treat for the diagnosis that they have and they don't get any better. Exactly. 
So finally get Lyme, some interventions start being put in place that line yeah. up with Lyme disease, and all of a sudden, wow, I'm better for the first time in 12 years. Yeah. Because I think, again, you know, from a nutritional therapist point of view, you know, we could support the adrenals, we can support the gut. Again, we can have a perfect diet. But if there's a Borrelia infection with co-infections that we're not addressing, then, you know, I think we're only going to move. We can only get so far. So we have to be, as therapists, open to this kind of testing. Right, an infection just brings a whole a chronic infection. I mean, that's exactly. that's the other thing about the Borrelia and friends is they hang around. They're they're not easily removed from the body. There's an no, old Chinese concept called goo, uh, goo syndrome, and a goo syndrome is uh, negative energy or some outside influences that has seeped into the body, like oil seeps into flour, and then the yeah. practitioner's job is to separate the two back out again. So they're essentially yeah. saying it's impossible. <laughs> Yeah, but it's I mean, but it's not impossible. I mean, you're you're a you're a testament to that. Yeah, I'm a walking, talking proof that it can happen, um, I, and I really do believe that the body can heal itself when it's given the right interventions. I do believe that. Yeah. Did you keep a journal? I kept something similar. So what I would do every evening, I, so I, in my teenage years, I got to quite a very dark place. So I would every day force myself to write three positive things a day. So that could be even the sun came out or whatever happened. Um, and that, when I look back, is my type of journal because it, it kind of writes down doctor's appointments and maybe I added in a different treatment or something. There was maybe a breakthrough. And that is my kind of journal to look back on. Fabulous. And a, and a blog as well. Sorry, I, I wrote a blog from pretty much from being 18 all the way through. So that's always great to look back and really look from where I've come from because I think it's so often the case that when you're in the depth of Lyme, you can always, all you can do is look forward and think, when am I going to be better? When am I going to be better? But you need to look back and think, wow, this is where I came from. I am making progress. It might be slow progress, but at least it's progress. You're one step closer to being well. What's the strangest treatment you ever tried? (laughs) what's the strangest treatment i ever tried true confessions i'm gonna have to to us as a family who relied on the nhs and who were very as i said we had a western diet it was all strange (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, changing the diet, taking supplements, take doing saunas, taking herbs. What a load of what a load of nonsense! Rubbish. You know? Yes, <laughs> it was huge. My parents really had to take a huge leap of faith because it was completely alien to them. You know, they they tell their friends, they tell the family. Oh, you know, Rebecca's taking some herbs, and you can imagine the the looks that they got. Um, you know, she's seriously chronically sick, and you think some herbs are going to get her better, but. So to us, it was all very strange. Um, but now this is the life I live now, and it and it um, and it works. And what do you do to keep yourself from relapsing? And I know that's not a hundred percent. Or and to maintain yourself, what are you? What are you doing? So my main priority is making sure that my immune system is um, strong to make sure that that Borrelia doesn't have chance to replicate again. 
So I am really lucky in the fact that I am self-employed so I can work from home. I choose my own hours. Um, but I've got to be really careful about my stress levels, which isn't going too well at the moment because I'm getting married in two weeks. So Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks so much. Um, which, again, was something – it was never going to happen. You know, I never, ever thought that would be um, something that would happen to me. So it's just about managing stress, managing um, – the way kind of my outlook on life and the way how much work I take on and the people even surround I surround myself with making sure I'm eating well making sure I'm doing regular detoxes and cleanses um making sure I'm getting enough sleep sleep is so key um and really just keep making sure I'm in tip-top shape really because clients say oh you know can I go back to my normal diet after you know after I'm better and I say, well, yeah, sure, you can do whatever you want after you're better, but you won't want to because you'll want to stay well. It's funny how after cleaning up a diet in whatever way that is, yeah. and if you stay on it long enough and then you yeah. you try to revert or something looked good or you have a memory of like, oh, that's yeah. that, that looks so good. And then you taste it and it's like, oh. That was yeah. so bad. <laughs> yeah. And so often it's things like weddings, isn't it? Where you've got no oh, control right. you're eating yes. and you go and you sit and you have this meal and you think, oh, I feel so sluggish. You know, oh, that, that just did not agree with me at all. Uh, so, yeah, as you say, it's so often the way. And then you, do, you don't want to go back and eat that rubbish because why would you? You then educated yourself how to be well and you're not going to go back and eat that rubbish again. And you also bring up a, another so important food. There's the nutritional aspect of food, and that's really what we've been talking about. But then mm-hmm. there's the social and familial aspect of yeah. food. And it's so – I mean – my wife says and has said for years and years and years, you know, food is love. So if you'd not, mm-hmm. we, we had one of her, you know, dear aunt come by and, you know, bake for everybody and cook for everybody. And it wasn't bad food, but we mm-hmm. apparently didn't eat enough to satisfy her mothering needs. And she was <laughs> literally standing at the table, shoveling more food onto people's plates and insisting that they eat. Oh, oh. Yeah, it's, it is such a social thing. Well, if you think back to caveman days, you know, it was, you know, it was a tribe and we'd all eat together and it was great and it was beautiful. I mean, I think there's nothing better than making a great meal for family and friends. But I think the problems that we come up against so often for me is I'll make a great meal and my family will say, oh, what's in that? <laughs> Why is there so many vegetables? Um well, what's quinoa and all these right. things come up. Where, um, where are the chips? <laughs> exactly, where's the chips, blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. Uh, but no, it's a huge social thing, which again is something to, to work on with clients. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. And speaking of clients, how can people get hold of you and find you? Are you even taking on new clients? I'm taking on new clients from October onwards. Um, because, because obviously because of the wedding and just making sure that I can spend some good time with my husband afterwards. So uh, people can find me at um, www.hellohealing.co.uk. But I also work for the London Clinic of Nutrition as well with Oliver. So people can always, if they're in the London area, they can always book in with me in London. 
Wonderful. And I'd like to also leave you with the last word. If there is anything that I forgot to ask you or that you'd like to say about nutrition or Lyme disease. Well, I just wanted to definitely thank you. You know, you're doing such a great work and such a service to people. So thank you so much for the work that you're doing. It definitely has to be us working all as a team together. But I think my last word is um, just, again, as you say, just to really reiterate that that level of hope in people i i was put to the bottom of the pile the doctor said to me you'll never work you'll never be well you're too severe of a case um because i was completely bed bound my mum was having to feed me take me to the bathroom um and now i run my own business and getting married like i run my house i cook every day this is normal life just so there is hope out there like just do never 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 give up because you can get better that's beautiful rebecca thank you so much well thank you This was a lovely episode, and I especially liked, maybe this is a little self-aggrandizing, but I liked what she said about people needing to learn what their own bodies need, because it's what you say. Well, it's the truth. (laughs) We're individual. Yeah. Genetically, background-wise, when you start swirling everything together... The soup is so complicated. I was listening. So part of our family weekend is my brother-in-law is an agronomist. He's an expert in potato farm, like large, large scale potato farm. That's what he's doing in North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And he had a friend who's a former colleague in Colorado where he used to work. Anyway, so they're talking back and forth about really precision farming, both organic and conventional and how they're using inoculants, other bacteria, other fungi to help control pathogenic fungi in there. And it's so sophisticated. It's incredible. But it's also so specific to the crop, to what the goals of the farmer are, to the climate and the soil that already exists there. And I'm listening to them thinking, why don't we have that sophisticated and understanding? Like, what's the goal for a human being? Like what's the, what's the highest outcome for? We don't have that measure for. They were talking about potatoes. So for the potato farmers, like how many bags of potatoes do they get out of an acre of soil? Right? It's, <laughs> right. It's it's pretty simple. But how do you measure? Is it happiness? Is it IQ? Is it how many babies you have? What's the measure? Is it economic? What's the measure for human beings? And really, in Lyme disease, is like can we get rid of the Lyme disease? Right? Can I yeah. be normal again? And that's you know th- that's a that's a pretty specific measure actually. Yeah. Can can I get back to to ground zero? But that's not thriving necessarily. That's just can I get out of suffering so mm-hmm. much? Anyway, so the point is, it's how individual it is, and they're so sophisticated about what they're doing, and really, we're we're behind as far as taking care of human beings. The thinking that these agronomists are doing for their potato plants, in some ways, is more sophisticated than what we see day-to-day with the doctor. It really, truly is. And... And And with that, one thing, tool that you can use to begin to track your progress, we put together Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. If you head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com, you'll 
see the opportunity there to try it out. Right now, we just give you a simple monthly score. We recommend you take this quiz monthly. Yeah. It takes about, what, about 10 minutes to fill out? 10 minutes at the most, 7 minutes, 10 minutes, of maybe a little bit less. But anyway, it's not that involved, but it's it's fairly thorough. And it gives you a composite score. So you grade yourself on what these symptoms are, and they're Lyme symptoms particularly. So it gives you a composite score. And with that, if you start tracking that month to month, you can see are you making progress? Are you making more potatoes or less (laughs) potatoes, right, essentially? Yes. So it can be really difficult. If you don't track at all, you're just based on vague feelings. And they were talking about the old-time farmers. They said, yeah, well, we tried that, but well, how do you know it worked? Well, I just kind of remember, forget. They don't remember. Mm -hmm. We, We think our memories are good. Our memories are actually terrible. There's lots of books about that explaining how bad our <laughs> memories actually are so if you're interested in that go look up the books just trust me let's say our memories aren't as good as we think they are yeah. if you track too often then you're just flooded with all these data points and it just becomes fusion be confusion it's just white noise so we think once a month is about right to get a sense of okay you know, am I moving forward? Am I holding still? Or am I sliding backward? And the thing with Lyme disease is some symptoms will come to the fore and some will come kind of fade away, ebb and flow. So it's important to have this generalized overview of what's going on. So just really encourage you to begin using the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. Again, it's there's no cost to it. We're going to be rolling out new features as we begin to program more of a back end to it. So there'll be charts and graphs, hopefully, and it, you'll really be something, a tool that you can then present to your doctor, to your practitioner, your health person, or yourself and say, okay, look, you know, over the past year, this symptom has gotten worse or these symptoms have gotten better or overall. So that's that's where we're going with this. That was a long explanation. Right? It was. <laughs> but it's, I'm really excited. You can tell. I'm really excited about the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. So LymeNinjaRadio.com, front slash tracker. Check it out. Yeah. Try it out. Okay. I think that's it. Except for. Except for. As you longtime listeners know, this podcast could not end. We would talk forever. But luckily, we have Lyme Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know scissors are told not to run with ninjas? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.